Hello, and welcome back to SAS Stories and Sarcasm. We're your hosts, Brian and Mary, and this is episode 159. Yeah, how are you doing, Brian? I am doing great, Mary. Uh, the grass is green, the sun is shining, and it is not fall yet. I am just, so, well, I don't know if it's technically fall, but it doesn't feel like fall, fall. yet. And uh, <laughs> I thought you, know, you were telling me it does feel like fall. Well, I mean, it switched back. I just, I this, oh. this week's been a good week. Okay. Last week was a little chilly this week. Well, just uh, you wait for this weekend, it's supposed to rain, so... Like all weekend. Oh, yeah, that's not that great. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What have I done that's been very interesting? Hmm. That is a good question. Oh, I know. I bought Twister. (laughs) Brian decided that uh, if he wants to have people over to his apartment, he needs something to entertain them with, and he chose Twister. (laughs) Out of Uh, all the games that he could have chosen, he chose Twister, and we set it up in his apartment, and we attempted to play, but then we realized... 27 and we should have stretched beforehand yeah and uh yes that didn't work but it, it was it's not really a serious idea in terms of like making my guests play twister <laughs> it's kind of like a joke that i thought was hilarious so i decided to just buy a ten dollar game and uh proudly display it right under my television <laughs> it's an interesting it's a choice. conversation starter mary it's like a conversation it's like, starter they're gonna be like i mean you don't have that many people over to your apartment but they're gonna be like okay you know, let's play Twister. Like if there's nothing else to do besides watch TV or play Twister. That's true. I'd rather watch TV, but if someone does offer to play Twister, I will break out the box and lay the, what is it? The Twister mat out on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. I don't think that that's, that's pretty much my big story of the week. Really? You, know? you forgot about a few things. Did um, I? Yeah. We went to the zoo. Oh my God. You're right. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Brian, Brian acted like he was a photographer for National Geographic. He was taking not only photos, but videos of basically every animal that we saw from his <laughs> iPhone, just by the way, just his iPhone 11. And hey, they have updated up, video. I mean, it's a good camera, but I'm just saying it's not like a DSLR, like fancy camera and mm-hmm. nothing against that. But you were standing up on the rocks to get a better angle and you took a ton of videos as well. You even um, put made your first Instagram story where you, in the Savannah area of the, the zoo, you panned around and then you set it to music, the circle of life. Uh, yes. you, you, I, I was sitting next to the couch when you were doing that and you just kept hysterically laughing because what was it? The ostrich's uh, neck came up right at the right second and you just thought it was so funny. Yes, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. Then I also had a uh, a warthog one where I made the the song of uh, Hakuna Matata. Well, Hakuna Matata. So that would be when he Puma, says, "When I was a young I warthog, Brian just said exactly. that specific part um, on his Instagram story." That's his first that. Instagram story she's ever made, and it was good job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I went to the zoo. I rejoined the zoo. I was a member before COVID, and. Uh, now I rejoined, so that's exciting. And also, Brian bought me a plant. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when Brian bought a calendar last year, he said that his original plan was to only put his doctor's appointments on his calendar and nothing else. So, you know, two dentist appointments a year, eye doctor, doctor, you know, I don't know, dermatologist. Like, there's only going to be like five, six doctor's appointments, hopefully. And right. so I decided to fill it up with, some real national days and some fake national days and including by Mary plant day. 
that holiday usually happens like three to four times a year, but Brian's never followed through until this year, this time. Yeah, I figured I figured I'd at least once do one of these fake yeah. holidays. <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty pretty fun. Um, got a plant, and Brian was pretty proud of himself as well. I am. He very actually proud of almost myself. spoiled it the day before. I'm such a good he person. A, he <laughs> he had a big surprise for me the day before. I was like, okay, cool. And then the next day, brought me a plant. I'm like. Okay, you could have just not told me and I would have been more surprised, but thank you, Brian. <laughs> of course, you're very welcome. And then also we watched the Seahawks game on TV and we won. Yes, yes, this was definitely, I think, you know, I've only seen a couple of Seahawks games, but they look pretty good. They look very convincing win and uh, maybe this will be our year. Let's hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting right off, we're going to talk about this app that I found. I found this about probably like a month ago or so, but it's called Too Good To Go, and it's in select cities across the U.S. I'm not sure. You'll have to check um, where it's all available, but um, it's available in Seattle and the Seattle surrounding areas, and basically what it is, it's restaurants can sign up and they can sell their extra food for one-third of the price. Um because one third of food produced is thrown away. And so this app decided, let's try to fix that. Mm -hmm. And so they try to connect people and empower them to reduce food waste. And so it's a win, win, win food, people, planet, everyone gets what they want and there's less waste. And so tried this at a few different restaurants over the last month or so. Um, It's kind of a gamble what you get. Um, One time I got it at this sandwich shop called Other Coast Cafe and for I think $4, I got $12 worth of food and you never know what you're going to get. Um, at that one, I got uh, meat, cheese, and bread. So make stuff and make sandwiches. So that was a good one. Um, another time I tried it at this like seafood and burger place and they gave me a bunch of French fries and then one piece of fish, which pretty good. Um, but the most successful one that I've had was uh, we hadn't talked about, we went to Theo Chocolate in Fremont uh, last week. And I had found out that they had an open bag. It's called a mystery bag. And so I think it was $6, $6. Yeah. And so they gave, you know, I go up and you show them that you, you know, reserved the mystery bag. And then they swipe to say that they, they gave it to you. And then I got a little mystery bag. And so we had talked about how Brian, I believe bought two bars of chocolate and it was $4 per bar. Right. And of course he gets to choose which chocolate he got. But when I got my mystery bag, I opened it up and I had gotten six bars of Theo chocolate for $6. Now, some of these were Christmassy flavors that were due to expire in October. Um, and there's just some other ones that were due to expire in November. So pretty good deal because for $2 less, I got four extra bars of chocolate, even though I get, didn't get to you know choose what they were. But basically, um, businesses receive the majority of the proceeds, while the good, too good to go company receives one dollar and seventy nine cents for a transactional fee per purchase. But overall, it's a good um, idea for restaurants too, because they're either going to, you know, throw away their extra food, or people can reserve it and come buy it for cheap. I think the least I've seen is four dollars, and the most I've seen is six dollars. Yeah. And the big takeaway I got from this is even though it's 
a random, you never know what you're going to get. And it's more of a mystery. It's always, at least so far has been price efficient. Like you Mm -hmm. said, Mary, you know, like I spent $8 on two bars of chocolate and you got six bars of chocolate for $6. (laughs) So that's, that's, that's crazy good efficiency. And most of the time it's, it's, you could make a meal out of most things. Like, obviously you're not going to eat all the chocolate at once. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a lot. Usually they don't just give you like crumbs. Well, yeah, obviously not crumbs, but um, yeah, so this, they're hoping to expand all throughout Washington and it was actually started, the app was started in 2016 when a sustainably minded founder of Too Good To Go, Lucy Bosch, noticed a French bakery throwing out pastries and then she offered to purchase the baked goods that would have otherwise gone to waste and realized that kind of transaction can be done at a much larger scale. It's, I think it's a great idea. And like I said, it's um, from what I've seen on the map, mostly in Seattle, but there are some restaurants in Bellevue, Renton, and I feel like they're adding more restaurants all the time. So that's exciting. And don't get it confused with good to go, which is the toll pass in Washington, but it's too good to go. Yes, it's an app. Yep. So also this past week, at one point, Brian and I were eating some eggs and Brian had gotten some egg on his face. And I was like, you have egg on your face. And Brian said that that is a saying. And I had never heard of the saying. I was simply directly telling him he had egg on his face. And so that got us thinking of some different phrases and idioms that we say, but we don't know where they came from originally. So we're going to go through a few different phrases and idioms and explain their origins according to the internet. So we'll start off with egg on your face. And this means appearing ridiculous or foolish because of one's actions. And the phrase egg on your face um, is an American idiom through the origins. The origins are kind of murky. One possible source goes back to popular theater during the 1800s and early 1900s when subpar actors would often be pelted with rotten vegetables and eggs and therefore end up with egg on their faces. Another possible origin stems from the farmyard. Farm dogs sometimes develop a taste for eggs, and in order to find which dog is the perpetrator, a dog will look for, or a farmer will look for an egg on the dog's face, which is a sure sign of guilt. Yeah, that would definitely be a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so yes, yeah, so my, uh, the next one is to turn a blind eye. Maybe you guys probably have heard this saying before, mm-hmm. but you're not exactly sure where it is. Basically, it means to, you know, refuse to, acknowledge the truth or to look another to so an example would be like I'll turn a blind eye on uh you doing something wrong this time but next time you'll be in trouble or something like that just to to look away not acknowledge what's going on and the origin although it's somewhat disputed is most the most common uh, origin is that a British admiral Harito Nelson uh, they were in the middle, he was in the middle of, of a war and his, uh, another ship alongside him, which was captained by Sir Hyde Parker. Um, so Sir Hyde Parker, uh, signaled Nelson to retreat. However, Nelson, who was blind in one eye, uh, was looking for this signal, uh, via like flags and smoke. And he purposely put his, uh, you know, like his telescope to his blind eye to pretend not to see the signal because he so thought- it's truly if, turning a blind eye. Yes, yes. So he was, you know, he thought that, you know, if he advanced, he could win the day, but he he truly did put his 
his blind eye to his telescope. And uh, he said to his fellow officer, he reserves the right to use his blind eye once every now and then. So that is that is where to turn a blind eye comes from, an actual blind person, at least in one eye. <laughs> okay, next up is bat out of hell, which means very fast and crazy, moving fast, extremely quick, something along those lines. And the expression like a bat out of hell is very commonly used in English. And bats have been associated with witches since the Jacobian times, the reign of James the sixth of Scotland. And poor bats. Yeah, bats fly <laughs> very quickly as if they are panicking. So this is how the phrase is associated with this origin. So, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> A panicked bat. Yep. Okay. Uh, so my next one is feeling under the weather. Um, basically, that means to feel ill. You know, I was feeling a bit under the weather would be an example. Um, and the origin is believed to be nautical in nature. So when a sailor was feeling ill, he would go beneath the bow, which uh, is the front part of the boat, right? That, you know, you usually were like, there's like living arrangements. And this would be to hope, hopefully protect him from adverse conditions as he was literally under the bad uh, weather that could further sicken him. So maybe if he's like seasick or uh you know hopefully you're not too seasick if you actually are you know a sailor but <laughs> uh yeah so therefore the sailor who was sick could be described as being under the weather i like how you said okay my phrase is feeling under the weather and used in a sentence i'm feeling under the weather <laughs> that's, that's what it means <laughs> i know but i'm like just that was okay okay, okay. The same I, I, all right all right, all right. <laughs> i i was i was feeling a little sick today or, no, I was feeling okay uh, yesterday, but now I'm feeling a bit under okay. the weather. There, there's okay, your okay. sentence with it being used. I just like how there you go. just added I'm right, at right. the beginning of the other sentence. Um, now, another one that we <laughs> thought of was sugar, spice, and everything nice. And Brian thought this came from the uh, Powerpuff Girls theme song. I wasn't a big Powerpuff Girls fan, but apparently Brian remembered the theme what? song. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but so. it turns out no brian was he was like nope adamant that this came from what the 1990s you know powerpuff girls theme song but no it came from well first of all it means if you describe someone especially a woman or a girl as being sugar and spice you mean that that person is being behaving in a kind and friendly way this is actually from a popular nursery rhyme dating from an early 19th century um the author of the rhyme is uncertain but it might be english poet robert Saudi, who uh, lived from 1774 to 1843. And here's this part from the poem. What are little boys made of? Snips and snails and puppy dog tails. And what are, and such are little boys made of? What are young women made of? Sugar and spice and all things nice. So it's just from a poem, not from the Powerpuff Girls, although it is in their theme song. Do you have the poem up? Do you remember that that line where there's like what are old men made of? I, th I love that. Yeah, they fun. have basically any person <laughs> that you can like any occupation or person you can think of. They just state what they think they're made of. And it's a very long poem. So I'm not going to read it all. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I recommend everyone look it up. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so the next one that I have is to beat around the bush. And uh, that basically means to circle the point or to avoid the point. Uh, I'll give you an example sentence stop beating around the bush and tell me what really happened so you know like stop avoiding the point basically mm -hmm. um, and this origin is uh, originally thought to be uh, in you know, revolving around hunting in Britain like game hunting so while hunting birds participants would usually beat bushes in order to draw out the birds like scare them 
Um, therefore, you know, they were beating around the bush before getting to the main point of the hunt, which was actually capturing the birds. So that is where to beat around the bush comes from or beat around the bush. Okay. Next up is spill the beans. And this means to leak a secret. And so this one's a little bit tricky as there's not really a clear cut answer of where this came from, but the consensus is that it's most likely derived from an ancient Greek voting process, which involved actual beans. <laughs> People would vote by placing one of two colored beans in a vase. T white typically means yes and black or brown meaning no. This meant that someone, should someone spill the beans, the secret results of the election would be revealed before intended. Hence, spilling the beans is related to revealing secret information. Okay. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one would be read the riot act. Um, and that basically means- to I've never heard that one. Yes. Uh, so it basically means to reprimand someone for, from, for behaving badly with the intention of improving that person's uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. um, Taylor was being loud in class, so I read her the riot act. <laughs> that's, that's the example they're providing. I'm going with the, the suggested examples. I'm not giving you my own examples anymore. <laughs> um, and the origin, this idiom uh, most likely comes from the real riot act, which was passed by the British government in 1714 to prevent unruly assembles, assemblies. Uh, in the 18th century, King George I and the government were fearful of being overthrown uh, or being overthrown. So uh, if crowds of more than 12 people assembled, authorities would read them a portion of the riot act, which they must leave or be imprisoned. So that people did not always have the right to uh, peacefully assemble, Mary. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. so thus, if someone was behaving in a manner we find inappropriate today, we say, read them the riot act intending to, to get them to uh, behave better. Hmm. Yes. Okay, um, we each have one more. Next one I have is the proof is in the pudding. And this has an very, a, a few different definitions, but there's basically, there's evidence to back up a previously made claim. Um, the process of achieving something isn't important as long as the end product is good. And the success of something can only be measured by putting it to its intended use. So the reason for the plethora of definitions is because of the Americanization of the old British idiom, which is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Whereas the British version makes at least some sense. The shortened American version, the proof is in the pudding, makes no sense. Um, this led to a varied use of the idiom in a multitude of situations, which is why there's so many definitions. But the British version is the closest in definition to the third listed above. And the word proof was synonymous with test in the 16th century, which is when the idiom is thought to have surfaced. Pudding is also very different. Um, from, it was also very different than what it is today. It is more, it was more like a minced meat dish. Therefore, the true test of the success is a pudding dish is in how it tastes, not any ornamentation or appearance. Okay. So yeah, it's kind of complicated, but yeah. There, there we go. Okay. And lastly, we've got the idiom, I've got it in the bag. And I had no idea where this came from. And I pretty much, I don't think I've, I've got it in the bag. I've heard that maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I've heard uh, but it, but I don't think I've said it. Yeah, I've definitely not said it. And basically this means the this is su su secured success. I'm not even worried about the interview. I've got it in the bag. And there is uh, disputed uh, claims on where this comes from, but mainly it comes from a baseball game where the old New York Giants, now San Francisco Giants, uh, 
it began as a superstition. In 1916, the Giants had a run of 26 consecutive ring wins, not rings. Uh, a bag filled with 72 extra baseballs would be put on the playing field at the beginning of each game. These balls were used to replace any that were hit into the seats or became too dirty. The Giants, during this crazy winning streak, fell under the impression that if they were in the lead during the ninth inning, which is the last inning, carrying the bag, the ball bag off the field, that would ensure the win. According to the team, they had captured the game. The game was in the bag. Oh, yes. wow. Who knew? Yeah, so it is a, it's a super, it's a baseball superstition. So that's yeah. basically where it comes from. I mean, who knew that a podcast segment would strike inspiration can strike anytime. And it's this one struck when Brian got actual egg on his actual face. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, that's uh, how this segment came about. Yeah. Really? Sometimes we're like, Hmm, what should we talk about this week? And this one, this time we were like, this is a good one. It just came up naturally through conversation. <laughs> yes. And this is, this is some good knowledge. I'm sure these questions might come up on Jeopardy. So write them down. <laughs> eh, maybe. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks with titles from every genre. Audible titles play on nearly any device and allows you to listen to your favorite audiobooks anytime, anywhere. You can even switch between devices and it'll play from where you left off. Sass Stories and Sarcasm listeners can get a 30-day membership trial that includes one free audiobook of your choice. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast to start your trial and choose your book today. Did you know the American Heart Association recommends 150 active minutes each week to help with heart health? What if you could earn rewards just for being healthy? That's where Paceline comes in. Paceline is a free app that gives you rewards for exercising 150 minutes per week. Keep up a weekly streak and get even more rewards. Every week of your streak, the rewards vary. You can choose from gift cards from Amazon, Starbucks, Target, and more to discounts for products or services, and even donations to charitable organizations. Join me on Paceline. To get started, download the free Paceline app, connect it to your activity tracker, and use our referral code SSSPOD to start earning rewards just for being healthy. So our last segment's going to be going over, um, we might have a new vehicle in the future that uh, you guys have already heard of this, but flying taxis of the future, they may be closer than you guys think. Um, NASA is officially starting to uh, flight test an all-electric vehicle uh, with further vertical take- takeoff. For, for their vertical takeoff and landing, the E-V-T-O-L. So that's vertical takeoff and landing, I'm assuming. Aircraft uh, was built by California-based Joby Aviation. Um, That's the company. And then the CEO, Joe Ben Bervert. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, Joe. (laughs) Uh, With the hopes of establishing an entirely new form of city-to-city transportation. Uh, The space agency is using the aircraft to collect performance data and help develop future airspace concepts as part of its air or advanced air mobility national campaign. Well, the main part that they're testing though, is whether the air taxis will be too loud to blend into the background noise, or if it would wake up entire city blocks when taking (laughs) off, which that would not be, people would not like that. Um, They also, 
they just want to make a vehicle that has extremely low noise pro- profile and blends seamlessly into the natural environment. And the aircraft, as of right now, has a range of 150 miles and a top speed of 200 miles per hour. Yeah, so I don't think we're uh, they're going to let normal people go up to 150 miles per hour. Maybe. Well, they Maybe said- Maybe if we were really trained on it. Joby is aiming for full Federal Aviation Administration certification as soon as 2023, so like two years. And it's already completed more than 1,000 test flights. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Uh, And, you know, other uses of it would be NASA's hoping that its AAM program will provide uh, efficient and affordable system for passenger and cargo transportation. Um, So this could be, you know, delivery drones or medical equipment could be, you know, dropped to certain communities. So that's That'd be pretty cool. Yes. It's also been um, in development with NASA for 10 years. And one of the key backers is Toyota. The Joby Aviation's backers is Toyota. Yeah. So, um, and I did read that, like you said, you know, we, they could receive their certification as soon as 2023. And, and they've they also, already completed uh, a thousand test flights. So they're, they're going around somewhere. <laughs> and they also project 14,000 aircrafts flying in 20 cities within 10 years. Wow. So, dang. That would really, really shorten my commute. I got to get me one of these. <laughs> I don't know if they're for purchase. <laughs> I'll st- start saving. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'll just keep living in an apartment forever so I can buy an air taxi someday. Yeah, that'd be worth it. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so our air taxis, they're, you know, they're right around the corner, people. Uh, that we might have a new form of communication in the next decade. Yeah, that's exciting. And I'm sure there'll be other new forms of transportation along the way. Yeah. But the good news is, you know, the Seattle light rail is going to be ready in 20 years. <laughs> it will be making it to our neighborhood within 20 years. Um, and by then it'll be outdated, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, yeah. you know, it's okay. Hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.